everyone, and welcome back to another great episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. My name is Christopher Brown, and I will be your host for this episode. Since the launch of the podcast, I've been asked the exact same thing. Why do you do this podcast? And I give everyone the exact same answer. This podcast is about talking to people in an intimate setting and just having a discussion. We often find ourselves becoming keyboard warriors and have forgotten the lost art of the conversation. So with that in mind, in mid-2019, I started this podcast to achieve one goal. Get people talking again. With no notes, no questions, I sit down with subjects to learn about them from them. And today's guest is no exception to that. Joanna Cartledge, or to her friends, she is known as Anne, sits down in today's episode and talks about the forgotten. We talk about seniors' issues and how some seniors struggle to transition from H to Canadian pension and the hassles seniors have to overcome to ensure a smooth transition between the two. We talk about her struggles along the way and how in the year 2020, where we can connect with someone at the click of a button, seniors can still have a sense of isolation. So with that being said, here is Cross Border Interviews featuring Anne Cartledge. Anne, uh... I'll stop it. Thank you. As she passes me a Kleenex. Uh, you know, this is going to be a fun interview when. <laughs> so, Anne, uh, first off, I'm going to call you Anne through the interview. Your actual name is Joanne, though. Joanna. Joanna. Uh, so, Anne, uh, I'm not sure how that came about, but we'll talk about that here in a few seconds. But, Anne, thank you very much for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. Um, as with all my other podcasts, all my other interviews, I usually start off, where does your sense of duty come from? But for you, it's something different. Where does your sense of advocacy come from? From never wanting to take no. My dad said a phrase years ago that if you don't want to have no, then you don't stick with the person who's only going to give you no. You go to the higher up that's going to give you yes. Have you always felt that you've always heard no in your life then? A lot of times heard no in my life. Yeah. Why? Uh, just uh, a, part of the immigration story that comes, I mean, I was two years old when I came to Canada from, from Holland. From Holland, okay. And um, my brother and myself on the ship with mom and dad. And one month after we arrived here, mom delivered the third one of us. So uh, she was busy. And I mean, we were the original settlers because dad worked for a sugar beet farmer. And we had the little hovel on the prairie where mom could see. She didn't have to look out the window. She looked out between the boards for us. You know, so we're the, the original settlers in that respect. Settlers of where? Uh, Raymond, Alberta. Raymond, Alberta, which is? Lethbridge. Lethbridge area. Lethbridge, Coaldale, all that area. So why why that area? Sugar beet farmer. Okay. Would your father was a sugar beet farmer? No, he was not. He was actually a carpenter. How does a carpenter from Holland become a sugar beet farmer in Raymond, Alberta? When, uh, you know, things weren't too great in Holland, especially, you know, around that time. It was in the early 50s. Yeah, right after and the war. Yeah, yeah, things were terrible at that time. And uh, he, you know, needed to get out as far as, you know, planning for his family and seeing what we can. And there was an awful lot of Dutch people in the Calgary type of, you know, immigrating at that time. 
Well, there's there's a huge uh, uh, Dutch community in Alberta to begin with. Mm-hmm. Was was there not at that time as well? Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm sure there was. Simply because you know there was a lot of immigration coming in from from Holland and yeah. that. Like I still am not uh, familiar with what ship they we came in and stuff like this, but I know we came in via Halifax and then the train. And I have vague, cloudy memories of sitting in these wooden benches, you know, on the train. Because you're two years old at this time, yeah. right? So you get out to Alberta. So really, Alberta is the only home that you really can remember. The, well, um, yeah, really when it comes right down to it, you know, the physical, actual memory of it. I mean, we had, when Point Two moved to Calgary, Dad, uh, he when he left Holland, to backtrack a little, Chris, when he left Holland, yeah. um, my dad is the oldest of 13, and he did the carpentry trade with my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Well, as usual, father and son, especially the oldest son, get into lots of little tiffs. Well, my dad took a hammer and threw it aside and said he'd never earn a living from doing carpentry work. Wow. And literally didn't when it came right down to it. And taught himself auto mechanics. You know, so, and like from scratch? From scratch. Okay. And this is where I attribute my self-learning. You know, everybody praises me for knowing my computer and knowing my Twitter. And I said, well, it's all on my own. Same with my artwork, poetry, the whole, all of it. So you learned that from your father. What did you learn from your mother? How to cook a mean meal. <laughs> How's that for an answer? That's a, that's the best answer I've heard so far. <laughs> no, I mean the cooking, the freezing, the preserving, surviving. Yep. I mean a lot of people, you know, pat me on the back now for for being able to make ends meet, and uh, it just because comes I'm assuming when your family moved to uh, Canada, they um, like most uh, immigrants who come to Canada, they're not well off. They're, they're starting off from scratch, mm-hmm. really, basically. So, because where you are now, do you accredit the way that your mother and father raised you into allowing you to survive in quote-unquote isolation in some sense because you're by yourself, you're living on your own at your age with your kids who are estranged from you. Um, Are you able to accredit your mother and father's upbringing of you and your siblings? Seven of us. Seven of you to the fact that you know the value of a dollar at the end of the day. I can say yes to that now. Okay. A few years back, not a hope and a prayer I would have said yes to it. I would have just said that they were taskmasters. They made us go out at 5 o'clock in the morning and, and pick peas and beans and, you know, shell it. And then, you know, I'd be sitting there shelling peas and beans or knobbing beans. And then my mother would have me help her blanch the meal, you know, the stuff for the freezer. And then hell and be gone, she would serve it for supper. Wow. <laughs> you know? wow. So there was the animosity for that. And we used to live in the town of Troshu. Okay, which is near Raymond, if I'm not mistaken. No, no. it's near Three Hills. Okay, you know, so you moved around. We moved around quite a bit. Okay. Quite a bit. We were in Calgary at one point even, and Dad worked for uh, what's then Henniger Motors. Okay, I've never heard of them. They used to have um, a car sales lot mechanics on McLeod Trail. Oh, wow. And uh, for some reason, things fell apart there. And I remember us moving to Troshu. And I remember one of the ro- uh, roads that we did, and I, and I had laugh at it, but at that time I was scared out of my own of mind. Here we were, it was an icy road like crazy, and we were going up the hill. And we weren't making much progress up the hill, we were making more progress going down the hill. <laughs> you know? 
that. I mean, looking and seeing where there, you know, there was a rail yard, a train, you know, could go underneath and stuff like this. I mean, it was. So, what brought your family out there then? Uh, Dad had an offered a job there. Offered a job, okay. And there was Catholic schools out there. I was about nine years old. So you moved around basically with your father, then I'm assuming. Yeah, whatever the family needed to do at that time was what happened. I mean, they were, Dad and Mom both died in Troshi. Okay. You know, they both passed were away. Were you young at the time when they passed? Oh, no, no, no. This was a... They were uh, quite old. Okay. Were, you know. So... From Troshu, where, where does your life take you then? From Troshu, it did take me around. I have been to Toronto. I have been to Vancouver. Without I, your family? Without just, my family yeah. on my own. Uh, to Toronto with my oldest daughter. Okay. Uh, you know, I uh, figured that if I married a man, it would be the solving of all my problems. Isn't it always, though? Yeah, yeah well, that was a mistake in <laughs> yeah. a Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't say that. My husband's probably listening. <laughs> Hey! <laughs> best decision I've ever made. <laughs> but, uh, well, I wish I could make the best decision like that. But mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, uh, so I you moved, moved to around Calgary. for family and with husband. Well, I mean, I had a husband. I had guys I was living with. I mean, that uh, dropped all the way in Toronto. You know. what, what year was this in Toronto? My daughter was born in 71, so... It would have been about 75. Okay. Possibly. And uh, No itch to ever stay in Toronto? No. No. At that time, social services gave me the money. To, they pulled a client on me. They gave me the tickets to come back by rail. Really? Mm-hmm. If that's what I wanted, that's what they would do. And that's what they did. Wow. So I come back to Calgary. And, uh, you know, at the time, it was much easier than to live on welfare. And I didn't live on welfare because I wasn't, you know, wanting to do anything. You it lived was, on welfare because you didn't have a job. Well, I didn't have a job, and that was the only means I knew at that time. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have a career. I had worked for the Red Deer Advocate in the newsroom, but it wasn't a career-based. <laughs> oh, the Red Deer Advocate. Yes. No, so you get back to Calgary. Do you start a job there? Because you're no. on welfare at the time. Yeah, I uh, sort of... Uh, in between volunteering and starting jobs, but not really having a job. And then it came to a point, uh, you know, I got married again and was, you know, going to be my second marriage. And uh, I was supposed to be at home raising the kids. Because we at were, that time, that was the... The thing quote, unquote, Exactly, right? Well, we were lucky enough to get uh, low-income housing at that time. And uh, so, you know, I mean, he made good money and we were together for 10 years. And then things happened that blew that all to hell in a handbasket. So this is rough. This is in the 80s now we're talking. I would think so, yeah. And that, you know, that really blew everything apart. And so my life was in in big chaos and I didn't know, you know, I was still having to raise the children and putting up with all the things that the chaos caused. And then found out that where we lived, he was considered the in, the tenant. We were not. Because your name wasn't on the... Well, it didn't matter if my name was on it. He was still just the tenant. Okay. So my girls and I are having to leave. And it was like, okay, now what the heck do I do? Because you have two girls at this time? Three. Well, three. I have three girls at Three girls time. at this time. So your marriage has exploded and you're moving out on your own. Mm-hmm. And you don't have a safety net because it doesn't sound like you have uh, a 
family support system in Calgary. You might have one in uh, the, where your mom and dad are, but in Calgary, you don't have that support system. It was vague in, in Troshu as well. Troshu, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, unfortunately, a family of origin has been, a, you know, a, 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 you know, a distant relationship as well. Okay. You know, it uh, unfortunately it fell, all fell apart after mom's death completely. So, after the second marriage... This is the late 80s, I'm assuming. Uh, are you actively looking for a place at that time? Are you trying to find ways that you can put a house, a uh, roof over your head for you and your girls? Well, I was lucky in the fact that uh, a lady I knew through my daughter's uh, junior high school, uh, one of the ladies in the neighborhood, she drove me to a couple of places and I got a place. That day? Well, basically, very, very closely after that. Which which you would never find today. No. Like no. today. And it was a townhouse. A... Oh, wow. You know, uh, and at that time, social services did pay for the move. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I didn't, I didn't realize how much stuff I have. And people look around now and say, you've got so much. And I'm like, shh. <laughs> Those are dirty words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because this is my home. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I mean, we, we set up housing there, but unfortunately, the things that had been caused the marriage to blow up had residual effects that just kept going on and on and on. Yeah. Um, my oldest daughter moved out on her own, um, which made it tough. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, when you're, you know, you've, you're, I was losing so much and, but still and losing kids and, and afraid that I was going to lose the younger two because I knew that the issue that had touched the family had touched them as well. But... It's here or there. Um, So we look forward to about 1992. And this is where the story that I find fascinating kicks into gear here. 1992, you decide to apply to go on H. Mm -hmm. H is relatively a newer program at that time, if I'm not mistaken. What was the decision for you behind applying for H? First off, for those who don't know, H means what? A shared income for the severely handicapped. Okay. So what was your reasoning behind applying for H? Okay. To backtrack just a little, Chris. Okay. I can't let you have the upper hand on that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, at, right after everything sort of blew up, I moved my kids into a basement suite because I was going to my Royal. Okay. And I have my, I was into social work. See, and that's where I wanted to know, because I wanted to know if that came before or after, but that it became before. before. And uh, I did it in four years instead of two type of thing, uh, because I was raising two girls at mm. the time. And student loans, the whole, you know, unknown to me, all of a sudden became known. And a couple of times was a little on the rough, rough going. Thank God that some instructors were, you know, ready to be there for for me, you know, type of thing. Were you happy that you went to Mount Royal? Yeah. I mean, I, I still am happy. But unfortunately, what happened is uh, I had surgery uh, just after that. And unfortunately, that threw me into what they call fibromyalgia. I don't Which know. is what? It's fibromyalgia chronic fatigue, and the chronic fatigue speaks for itself. Yep. Fibromyalgia is chronic pain. Fog. Sometimes, you know, my thinking, I have to double check, you know, to thinking. It's a whole host of symptoms that go along with it. And But absolutely, with the chronic fatigue, not ha- having the ability to keep working. I tried. 
I tried for five years, uh, seeing a doctor on a regular basis and everything, and just couldn't. Okay. I just couldn't. So therefore, made the decision to apply for H, which emotionally was a big deal. Because I can imagine that you're asking the government to support you in essence for the rest of your life yeah I mean I didn't even think of it at the time I just thought I've got kids I have to support we have to have a roof over our head and if this is the avenue I have to take then this is the avenue I have to take okay. I mean that's this cold you know I mean I think my dad's attitude of coming from Holland to Canada probably came into play yeah you know you just do what you have to do now I, I want to jump back here for quite, uh, for a second for just for the fibromyalgia right fibromyalgia yeah could it be that we're sitting here right now and you're in excruciating pain I'm not in excruciating pain because I have medication that take care of a lot of that but I am in pain constantly really yeah and I have arthritis that uh, you know affects the knee um and the fall a couple a few years back and in 2017 is that the mat one yeah tripped over mat okay. yeah that uh has you know um so what caused the so you said you went in for a surgery yeah i, I had what you know a lot of us females do call a hysterectomy yeah so okay. that was the catalyst well, let's put this way. I lost half my blood volume. Oh, crap. Yeah, I uh, just about wasn't here anymore. That was a shock to my system that, I mean, I remember waking up and seeing my daughter standing there scared out of her my tubes and everything come, and I wanted to throw the covers off, and the nurse said, you're naked underneath. Oh, but I have to go pee. Don't worry about it. You know, I mean, completely in no control. Mm-hmm. And but scared because, you know, the girls were phoned to come and see their mother. Wow. Now, that's not, you know, not something you want to you know live with type of thing. To see my daughter so scared and, uh, you know, not knowing what was going to happen. And at that time, even when I got home, we had the so, nurses in, on strike and everything. So, I mean, you know, uh, in the hospitals. So was it right after the surgery that it, the chronic pain happened? Or was it was there some beforehand and then it just got exaggerated? Prog- progressively got worse. That's what got I mean, worse. yeah. Progressively, yeah, progressively got, worse. got worse. Well, once, uh, like, the doctor had, I had to have the surgery because uh, women, in the, you know, have their menstruation. will try having a menstruation where you have to have tampon and pad and hope to God you don't have to stand up too quickly. You know, uh, it, it was bad for years. So it was a case of having to do that. So how long after the surgery did the idea of Aish come to you? It came about five years after I graduated from Mount Royal in 93, 94. Okay. And uh, it was a at this time you're still working as a, you're, I'm assuming you're working as a social worker at this time, right? I was not working as a social. I was working. All, I did some work uh, through the ACE program at okay. that time uh, with Huntington Hills when they were reviewing uh, reviewing the resource centers. They were setting them up and uh, reviewing child welfare, uh, all of these, you know, the daycares and all that. I was heavily involved in that. And this is cl- like. Like, this is, like, right in the middle of Klein years, right? Yep. Sorry, my phone is ringing, and I thought I turned it off, and I did not. Oh, that's Chris Brown for you. But we're not editing, because we're continuing on. So that was right in the middle of Klein years. See, folks? 
He's worse off. Uh, exactly. <laughs> My husband would have told me to shut it off. I'm just putting that out there. If he was here. Um, uh, so. so I did a lot of work with the community at that time. And was very pleased to be presented with a medal. Via the government in 2005. Wow. For Outstanding Albertan. So centennial year, you get presented a... Behind you there. I was wondering if that was that what, what, that what was if that was what that was. <laughs> Sorry, too much coffee today. <laughs> it's, it's a spiced pumpkin cake. Folks. Oh, <laughs> you guys should have tried it. If I could like push it through the microphones, I would right now, but I can't. So I'd really like my microphones to last longer than a year. <laughs> so you you get presented. So we'll go back to so you're in social work. Five years of doing that. You decide enough's enough. You're in too much pain because I'm assuming you're going to see doctors at this time. Mm-hmm. Enough is enough. 1998 rolls around and you say, "Okay, I need, I need help." Mm-hmm. So you apply for H. From what I understand, and you might be able to help me a little understand it a little bit better, the process of getting on H is substantially in depth and hard. Yes, and at that time, it was just before they revamped it again. Yes, because that's the thing that seems to be the hot potato of every government. It's who can rehash it more. Well, I mean, like Klein, he turned around and he sent letters to everybody on Asian. Those that didn't come back or came back unopened, you were out of line. <laughs> you were off the, you know, off the roll. You had to keep on responding to everything. They well, I mean, you, know, you had to prove. And, yep. the, and that's one of the things that was hard on Asian. And, you know, I'm thinking about it, Chris. And, you know, even that study that I did for John shows is the constant proving that you're worthy of being on age. Well, and that's what I, I find that was, that's what the government for everything, because even Veterans Affairs, right? There's a story, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's uh, someone from Nova Scotia or from one of the Atlantic provinces. He lost his leg in the war and he has to prove to the government every two years that he's lost his leg. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't grow back. I'm sorry, but like... He's a veteran, and he has to prove every two years that he's lost his leg. Mm-hmm. You have to prove over and over again that you are worthy of age. Oh, yeah, but the thing is, Chris, it doesn't stop with age. Just wait until we keep going into my story. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, jeez. You want this podcast to be an hour or two? Well, hey, we can go as long as you want. As lo- however long you want to chat, we are good. So, okay. So you start the process for Ish, mm-hmm. 1998. Take me through that process. Uh, because some people might not know. Some people might think it's, and I will be the first to admit, until I started doing research on it, I thought it was a program basically like welfare that just gives you money, no questions asked, for those who are unemployed. And then you start doing the research, and then you start realizing it's nothing like that. Well, picture yourself, Chris. At that time, your health is at the pits. Yeah. Sometimes right about as low as it it can go before you really... People have car accidents and, you know, just, they're maybe not even making it and stuff. you got to keep proving and you got to keep pushing. Yeah. Can you imagine the, the, the stress of that to begin with? You know, and I mean, uh, I had to prove what, you know, what I can or can't do. And that's the unfortunate thing with fibromyalgia is you don't look it. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, if you wouldn't have told me that you had it and what it was, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have sat here today and I said, oh, she has it. <clears throat> right? You seem like no, you carry yeah. yourself quite well for someone who's in chronic pain yeah. all the time. So proving that over and over again, A, it must be a hassle, and B, 
How do you prove that? Do you have to go in without taking your medications for a month and say, okay, I'm in chronic pain? You have doctor's letters, which at the time can be frustrating if you have got the wrong doctor because then you're looking at fees. Yeah. Okay. Good luck for that. Uh You have at that time too, you have doctors who do not believe in fibromyalgia. So then you're really up the creek. Yeah. Uh, if you have lupus or MS or something like that, okay. But fibromyalgia, nah. You know, you're you're Goldberging it. Yeah. It's the yuppie disease. Okay. That's yes. the handle that they stuck on it. Really? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, you know. And so did you get crappy doctors? And I'm not saying I'm not trying to. I was really really lucky. Okay. I got a doctor that he was my family doctor. He also believed in Oriental medicine, and he was the one who diagnosed me. And, um, you know, he said, I can send you to every specialist under the sun. And I had been going in to see him. He was covering the all the, the parts of me that I needed. The, 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 the physical, the social, the mental, the whole thing. I mean, you know, he, he was there as a doctor, as a support system as well, which is what doctors a lot of the time. I still I have another one now. Same way. He's there as a support system yep. for me. And uh, so this one was too. And uh, he said, I can send you to every specialist under the sun. But he said, uh, they're all, you know, it's, it's just going to give you nothing but uh, either answers or headaches. And I said, well, if you can tell me that your diagnosis is right on, because with fibromyalgia, if you t- touch certain points, points of the body, it, you, you like, that's painful. Okay. That's all there is to it. Like, was that painful for yeah, you right now? it was, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when I came in this, uh, before the interview started... You didn't have a problem with shaking my hand. Okay. Because now, like, now I'm second-guessing myself. Because I'm assuming that's what people do all the time around you now, right? Uh, no, I haven't had any... I mean, the, the thing is now they're second-guessing. I may be second-guessing. Because I don't know. I, I, I messed up this finger somehow. Oh. And uh, I haven't gone in to have it x-rayed because I really don't want to have it sliced open and stuff. So... so you, you have some great doctors at the time when you're going mm-hmm. through this to give you the proper uh, medical documentation that you need to mm-hmm. get on to H. So, A, that's a win. Not everyone's lucky like you. And there's also the fact of, do I trust that my doctor's going to say the right words? Really? What do you mean by that? I, do I trust that he's going to say the right words that's going to get me to H? Because H will call your doctor. They don't call the doctor, but they will have me say, well, we need you to fill in this form. We need you to fill in this form. We need you to fill in this form. And, you know, if, if you're really counting on something, how much do you trust that a person who's been good to you, you know, for, I mean, I was, I think I was with him for 13 years. But how do you know that that person is still going to give you what you need? And at that time, the trust value, because of all the <clears throat> that had happened in the family, yeah, you know that that was that, that was struggling. it was out the window. Well, it was out the window, but it was struggling to, to come back in. You know, so there was an awful lot of things going on, and uh, you know, he'd also sent me before I had my surgery to a doctor. Had the doctor done what he wanted to do, I would have been dead. Shite. So, you know, and I fall, I mean, I'm a big believer in trusting my instincts. Okay. I uh, didn't trust my instincts when it came to my second marriage. Uh, you know, I mean, there were things, my nickname at the time was Radar, but there was a lot of people working, especially my ex-husband working big time overtime to know that Radar couldn't catch. Now, Radar catches every time. Like, like, like MASH I, Radar? Like you and I connecting. Yeah. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it was meant to be. I, I think it was, too. Like, honestly, and that's the great thing about, like, the way that I... Uh, most people will look for just, like, anyone, right? And 
well, every, anyone's good. I want people who will tell a story. And when I first heard your name from Hillary or a mutual friend, and then I did a bit of research, and then you followed the podcast, and then you sent me a message saying you liked it. I was like, I want to learn a little bit more. And then I started digging, and I was like, I need to. Re- and then literally, I was about to send you a message, and I, I, I still have the text message, and I was about to send it because I write it in Microsoft Word, make sure it's right because I my fat fingers suck when they're texting. <laughs> so I write it in Word, and then I send it, and then literally I. Copied and about to send it, and then it says, Listen to Hillary's podcast. Thank you very much. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> she started, she broke the ice first, so I don't even have to break the ice. I'm, I'm notorious for breaking the ice first. <laughs> oh, trust me. If you follow her on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen, you should, because she has a tendency to attack a certain former Dragon's Den member. <laughs> Bird Joe, anyone? <laughs> Um, so you, you 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 have to put the trust into your doctor at this time, right? Oh, I mean, there had to be a, so, a larger, more trust than there wasn't. Exactly. So because, like you said, your past, you, you don't really have the best trust of some people. So you're second-guessing yourself. You put your trust in this doctor. And then do you get it? Or is there another step now? Uh, because then if there's I- another step, I'm done. <laughs> No, then it's a bunch of, you know, filling in the forms, getting the forms into them and everything. And uh, at one point, uh, you have to come in for an interview. To, do you have to go to Calgary or? Yeah, Calgary offices. Okay. It was the one on um, 17th Avenue and 4th Street Southwest. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I went in there and of course it's like, okay, how do I dress? You know, what do I do this? You know, like, I mean, you're, you're second guessing, you know, how do you present yourself? And I mean, I present myself like I am, and it's kind of like, oh, okay, how, you know, I mean, am I squashing my chances there, you know? And so I went in there, and I mean, and I put it on the line, and I was honest. Yep. And like she asked me, okay, how do you get dressed? And I said, well, I, I mean, and I never thought of it. Just you know, you cope and you do. And I said, well, this is how I, ha- you know, pull my pants on and stuff like this. It isn't, you know, the usual. It wasn't meant to be facetious. It was meant to check out. Okay, well, how are you adapting? How? What are you doing? And somehow I passed muster. Wow. And after that, I kind of went, whoa, because there were so many people getting turned down left, right, and center after that. Because I'm assuming, like we said, it's a new program, relatively new program at the time when you're applying for it in 98, because I'm not sure exactly. 94, 90, well, 95, I would say. 95 when you applied? I think, well, 95 to 98. Yeah, that okay, so in that time period, but it's relatively new program. It's not a program that's been around for that long, is it? Uh, my, I don't know the exact information, you know, the logistics of that, 100%, Chris. I, but from did what you, I can gather, it's been around a while. Did you did you know people on the program? No. So, because it's not, because, and I think that's where I'm more going with the question is, it's not openly talked about as it is today. Well, I mean, no, it isn't because the, I mean, okay, I used did some work with the city hall one time when before 311211 came in. Okay. And I had asked to be a community representative on the committee with social workers and that from the social work department of city hall. And uh, so being a community representative, I mean, I was on welfare at the time and everything. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. You know, and I, I thought, hey, you're getting up there, girl, you know, type of thing. And, you know, it's a, it's a good boost to the ego type of thing. And somebody asked a question. And the question was, why don't people on welfare, age or anything like that speak up? 
And I sat there and I'm like, mm-hmm, you know, what do I say? And the the lady that was, you know, leading all of this, I she knew me well enough to know that something was coming, something was coming. And then I said, because they are afraid that if they do open their mouth, they're on the street. It's all gone. He said, oh, like that simple fact had just escaped social work. Do you think it's true though? Yeah. I think a lot. Nowadays, people are starting to, you know, open up more about it. But there are still, from the people that I've talked to and people that um, they're still afraid to open them up. Like somebody told me that there was going to be um, a change in the in the age. Yeah. They figured it was that hundred dollars a month was going to come off the check again. Uh, but people who had talked to the worker had had their uh, their account uh, um, audited, and there were people who were afraid to open their mouths. So because they came here, she came here, and I went to my sources. That didn't happen, but a lot of other things happened. <laughs> wow. So, in when when you were getting on age, did you find that there that stigma made you less? of an advocate for people who are going through what you're going through? At that time, I wasn't knowingly being an advocate. Okay. Because, I mean, one of the things that I did set up when we were working with Huntington Hills is the employment, uh, um, you know, center where people could come in and they could, you know, use computers and stuff like this and talk to me about, you know, what they needed for jobs and stuff like So, I mean, I was being an advocate, a positive advocate. I mean, I had gone from being a very negative person, not knowing what the devil I was doing because all hell had broken loose with my family and met a psychologist who put me on the path to positivity. And I thank her for it, you know, every day in the fact that she made me feel like I was a worth a worthwhile human being. Because at that time you didn't. Oh, no. Because, I mean, I was being attacked uh, by child welfare and my daughters and everything as being worthless. At one point, they even got it wrong that I was the cause of the family split up. Wow. You know, so, I mean... You, you, you... you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to put this correctly, and I want to make sure that I... I've been through hell and back and then gone? Yeah. You yeah. And your outlook on life, though, like, your positive outlook right now, like, I know we're talking about your past and all that, and we're, we haven't gotten to the main reason we're here yet, but you've gone through hell, and you can laugh about it. How, like, how does that work? Oh, Chris, I mean, there have been days, there's been a couple of days where, you know, if, if it wasn't for my two friends in Edmonton, and I hate to think that, you know, it, it, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be here. There was a couple of times when I really hit rock bottom. And they literally texted me out of it. Wow. They were the only one that cares. Well. No, not other than the fact I had other friends. Yeah. But they persisted. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a very strong friendship with the, with the both of them. That's nice. Because uh, Everyone needs those care. people, right? Well, and I mean, the, the, the funny thing is that, you know, had I thought years ago, to be quite honest, that it would have been two gay men, <laughs> it would not have happened. <laughs> because from your background, you're very Catholic. Very. And also the fact is that I had the unfortunate of happening, and it was lesbian people, that thought I was lesbian. And I'm like, no, I think you got the wrong side of that one. Uh, and I had a lot of it shoved down my throat. So therefore, you know, I, I was in the, in, the, in the process of trying to figure things out where I sat. And immediately upon meeting a certain person, 
that didn't even enter into the picture. That person, that was a factor, yes, because that's who the person is, but it wasn't who the person is. Yeah, and this is this is the part of this is and this is where I've gotten attacked from the left a few hundred times over the last few months and last last year and a half. I don't think we need to wear it on our sleeve. God, hope not. I know there I, there are people out there who do. Good for you if you want to. I'm not that person. You know what? I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not the one who's down at, on Center Street marching with everyone. It's not who I am. But, I mean, like Hillary and I, we had to laugh because we've done lots of speaking engagements, Hillary and I. Yeah. Have. And she says, well, I'm a queer woman. And I'm, hold on, because queer, what does queer represent to me? <laughs> the old meaning of the word queer. Yes. And it's take, I mean, I still don't like it. Because as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't have the connotations that I like, you know. And uh, I mean, like when I went to her wedding, you know, I, I said, oh, yeah, two females are, uh, are getting married. She says, it's a same-sex marriage. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm still learning some of the things. Hell, and that's fine. I'm learning. I'm still learning. I say things half the time that I get looks and I go, I'm sorry. I don't know the proper terminology. It's changing every day. There's no coherence. There's no coherent, stable, fund, or not funding, but words that we can use. Format. It's, format, exactly. It's always changing. And if I have to keep up, heck, I don't even know what half the emojis stand for. <laughs> okay? Like... Out of the things I need to worry about in my <laughs> life. And I yeah. know I'm going to be attacked on it again. I'm, I really don't care. But the thing is, when we have a coherent message, I will get behind it. Well, I mean, the thing is what I like about John and Dylan. Number one, uh, like I said, with John, I met him originally. He was, you know, to help me. He was volunteering mm-hmm. to help me. Uh, I knew that they were dating or whatever. I mean, and, you know, Dylan wasn't an issue at that time because we didn't meet. But John and I would meet every two weeks going shopping and that. And we hit it off. I mean, he, he, he's got a bone of sarca- sarcasm and I help it right along. <laughs> you know, and uh, being six foot seven, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I, I give him just as rough a time. I'm just a little mite, but, you know, dynamite comes in small packages. You know, I mean, there, there were lots of times when we left people in the grocery store just just roaring. Absolutely roaring. I can imagine. You said he's 6'7". Yeah. You're what? 5'1", five, five maybe. 5'1". So almost a foot and a half difference between the two of you. <laughs> and you guys just walking through a store. I was meant to say, there's a photo that she just pointed to of the height difference. And she looks like she's about to be cropped out of the photo <laughs> because he's that tall. Yeah. So hi, John, if you're listening. Well, he will he will be getting a copy of this one. Oh, he'll be getting a copy. Yeah, he'll be sending it to oh, Definitely. There you go. But I mean, the thing is, what I can say is that regardless of what sex they are, whether they're gay, whatever, I see between them a love. Yep. That's what's important. I see with Amen them to that, sister. the love that they care for each other. But John has also taught me what loving a person is. Mm-hmm. You know? And I mean, and I'm a type of person that, you know, when I, uh, I show it back, you know, there have been many times when I, you know, written stuff or, you know, done stuff. And, you know, I get teased about the fact of, you know, for the poor guy getting a poem every time. Well, yeah. I mean, it's opened the floodgates and I said, it's your fault. No, not mine, it's your fault. He goes, yeah, right. You had to choose me. <laughs> well, and that's the whole thing. He did. Yeah. Because he worked at Mount Royal at the time. 
And because I had a tender mount role, he chose me. And I love dogs. So it, it, it was meant to be. We just, you know. That's awesome. So we'll go back here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the great thing about this podcast. Tangents are allowed. <laughs> so, hey, hey, folks, just keep on listening. <laughs> exactly. We will get to the heart and soul of this here soon. Um, okay, so let's go back to you get the word that you're on age. Mm-hmm. This is a lifesaver for you. Well, and one of the nice things is they retro pay you, too. For the time that you've been... Well, for about three or four months. Okay. You know. The time that you've been applying for it and all that. So, you get on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that a weight off your shoulders? It is a weight off my shoulders in the fact that there's a hell of a lot more money than what welfare was giving me at the time. Like, uh, where it works now is about $800 a month. Age was, you know, I was looking at over a thousand. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I was able to go, ah, you know, I mean, I, I could look at a place and then, then my youngest daughter and I, we were living at the time with my oldest daughter and that was a semi-abusive situation. Um, and, you know, she, um, she moved with her boyfriend to Toronto and my youngest daughter and I moved into another place. When, what year is this? God. This is 98 still or 99? Well, we're heading into that, yeah. So in 98, I'm terrible with dates. Okay. I can sort of keep things in chronological, you know, but I mean, uh, the thing is that I, I look at it from, uh, you know, how old somebody is and stuff like that. So most people, and this is the stigma that I find, and this is where I think we can have a good 20-minute conversation about, and I'm okay with that. The, the, the attitude that when you get on age from the general public looking at people who get on age is you're going to get on age and you're going to milk the system for the rest of your life. <laughs> how do you how do you how do you change that attitude from for people to say, "You know what? It's not that easy to be on age." And right now, presently, I my attitude is, do I really want to change their attitude? It's their attitude. But at the same time, we talk about the stigma. We mm-hmm. talk about people who are un- who are afraid to come out of the cl- quote unquote closet mm-hmm. to say, you know what? Yes, I'm getting help from the government because of this. Because I have th- I had this happen to me. You know what? Yes, I'm on ish. But see, there's the whole thing, Chris. You just said it. I the, the constantly having to explain why you got ish. The crap that you had to go through and what happened in your life that caused you to have to be on age. Okay. You're not only explaining that you're on age, but you're, you're then having to explain what happened and why you're on age. And believe me, there are so many people that do still think, you know, you should be out working. You know, so what if you're in pain? Do they, do you think people look at it the same way they look at welfare recipients? Um, From someone who's been on age, when you when people found out that you were on age, did they think you were just on welfare? It it all depended too on my attitude. Okay. Uh, some days I would think I was you know just a you know a, a glorious welfare because basically it ended up being that way. But it it was uh, you know and there were people that were against me being that way and and it was still having to count the pennies because you know I was still raising kids. And uh, at least Were you working at any time during this? No. I Well, I tried to do some babysitting, but it was very, very difficult to do it at the time. I, yeah. uh, I was involved. Um, this was at a place. I lived in a place called Oak Hill Estates. 
and that is on um, Center Street and uh, 64th uh, near St. Helena School in, in the north. And uh, one of the things that I did there is we had um, um, an agency that was renting a townhouse and working with the people that were there. And they were people that had come off the street, uh, families that were in crisis, you know, all sorts of things. And one of the things they had is a coffee party. Well, at that time, I, I forgot for my birthday, and that was for my 50th birthday, I got a puppy. So I had brought her along, you know, to indoctrinate her, to show her off to the kids and everything else. Well, and here because the starter, I uh, started a group called WOW. Which and stands I, for? You're, you're really testing my brain. I am. Wonderful old uh, 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 women. Some, as it had to do with women being wonderful. Okay. And as far as I know, it's still going. And it had to do with the, you know, getting to know you, getting to know yourself. And this was a spinoff of, um, and this is something I'm going to be looking at redeveloping, reigniting, is a 10-week self-development program. Okay. And uh, once I can find all my paperwork, uh, then I'm, you know, might be looking at redeveloping that. And that's where that's awesome. every week, you know, you you start off with the Briggs Myers, and every week is a, is a start, uh, another level of it. And at the end is the, is the tenth week is a celebration. That sounds awesome. It, it, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And basically, it was for women at the time. But uh, we kind of got some men involved, and uh, you know, the people started looking at themselves. You know, and one of the things I did do too through the uh, with Huntington Hills is uh, talking to people about um, looking at getting employment, but looking at themselves and what that meant to get employment, and what they were presenting. So I've done an awful lot. You know, when I start looking back on that, I've done an awful lot of that already. But it was, you know, it seemed to be in spits and spurts. But now you have the time to dedicate towards it. Well, I sometimes wonder if I do have the time. <laughs> I have done, I mean, as you saw. Well, just roll back on the Twitter for a few hours a day. I try. I try. No, as you saw in, look, in Googling me, you saw exactly. Oh, Google this woman. I, I, it will be a hoot and a half long. You will spend days finding stuff about, and there's videos. There's YouTube videos. Awesome. I have been involved with, you know. Everything and anything in this city. Well, I mean, I'm an advocate for, for homelessness. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm, you know, and, and this is not all planned. Like, I mean, I'm an agency and unto itself again, again, uh, you know, age to pensions. Again, creations. Which we'll talk about here soon. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, I'm not, uh, there's nothing planned. If I had to write down a, a you know, a, a manifesto of what may, you know, the, and all the, I mean, what you saw on the ace sheet that I gave you is about it. You know, I have not, uh, for any way, uh, you know, I don't designate. I don't say, okay, well, this is the plan. This is what I'm going to do next. This is what I'm going to do next. It all has fallen square into my lap. You know. Do you think you're lucky that way? But you haven't had to go out and try to tackle something. It's being dropped in your lap to allow you to tackle it. Because most people will have to start things from bottom up, right? Mm -hmm. You're saying it's fallen into your lap, whether it be an advocacy group, whether it be a support group, whether it be uh, working with the uh, homeless 
people um, to insure. So it's fallen in your lap. You haven't had to go out there and start from the bottom up, or would you say you have? Done both. Okay. Uh, and, you know, like, I mean, the, where I live right now is run by Horizon Housing. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky to be in here. I've been here 15 years. Uh, you know, and I mean, uh, one of the guys who did marketing in Horizon Housing, Scott, uh, whenever he needed somebody to do a picture, a PR type of thing, a quote, I would get the phone call. I would, you know, he and yeah, okay, Scott, what do you need from me now? <laughs> what do you need? What do I have to test up I mean, for that, today? You no, know, and that that just go, would go without, you know, and he he knew that, and I knew that, and you know, we would do that, and uh, so you know, that just kept going, and I got known. And I got and my picture got known too because a lot you know if there was a presentation and newspapers and well stations. I mean the resolve and the horizon yeah. housing are connected and it was like okay we need somebody to do the you know the the wind up and I was like okay fine I never wanted to say no even though inside of me you know the jelly was going are you nuts <laughs> which is kind of ironic because looking at when you were growing up to always hearing no. To now, when you say always say no, now I, now I'm second guessing the fact that you said yes to me so quickly on the podcast. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that. I'm a firm believer now. Have you ever uh, been to an amusement park and they play whack the mole? Yep. Okay, I look at myself as that mole, and for years that mole, every time it stuck up its little head, got whacked, and got whacked sometimes big time. But somehow that damn mole keeps sticking its head up. Not because it's brain dead. It's because it just... It's determined. I don't know if it's stubborn or determination. I mean, okay, when I started the East Depension, there was somebody who said to me, well, that's just the way it is. Uh, Sorry, wrong set of words. (laughs) Wrong set of words to ever use towards someone who has the strong will to change something. Well, I mean, I originally started to change for me. Like, I wanted... You know, I, I was dumb as far as the way the politics game gets played and, and things, you know. Uh, I figured, you know, if I raised enough cane, it was going to get changed. <laughs> Which, sometimes it only takes one person. Well, I mean, <laughs> I have discovered that this one person has created quite a fool. <laughs> Anyone who is center-right has heard from you at least once in their life, I'm assuming, in this province. Oh, there's some government agents, some government people from opening doors that are going, oh, and even Martina has said, and and we all know Anne, and we all know <laughs> that if she wants to get a hold of you, she will follow you. <laughs> she will find a way to get exactly. a hold of you. Exactly. So let's talk about that, uh, the program that we've been mentioning a few times, the Aish to Pension. So mm-hmm. this came out because this sort of baby of yours came out because of your what's the word I want to use here your aging <laughs> let's be honest you age to uh, because at age you stop getting age at 65 did you get a pension at that time correct mm-hmm. oh we're pulling something out we're pulling business cards out I'm handing out business cards okay so closing the seniors gap age to pension Let's talk about what transpired when you found out that at 65 you were losing Aisha and you were transitioning to pension. A, did you know that? Uh, I knew that was coming going to happen. Okay. okay because Aisha is provincial, pension is federal. Okay. Then never the twain shall intertwine. Yes. Uh, but so did have... you know that Aisha was going to run out at 65? 
Vaguely. Okay. You had some inclination, but you weren't fully aware of it. Right. Because, because they didn't tell you. Well, what happens is that at that time, I got a letter six months before I aged out stating this is what I was supposed to do. Six months. Yeah. You had a six months transition time. Yeah. That's it. Now they're being told 11 months in advance. Ooh, a whole 11 months. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, I mean, and it was it was, it was was hard. It was really, really hard. Uh, you know, I phoned because all of a sudden I found out, well, prescriptions weren't covered. Da, 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 da. And, uh, you know, and I, <laughs> am I not wanting to follow? I, you know, follow people. And at that time, too, I was also volunteering with Brandy Payne. And when I told Brandy what was going on, Brandy went, huh? It's a, it's, it's, it's a well-known secret. It's, ha- it's been there for years. Like, but it's been there since ever. the beginning of the program. I would imagine, and nobody's done anything about it. Okay, so at, you got your letter six months prior to you. Oh, I applied more. I, I went in further than six months. I'm not a lady to let too much grass grow underneath me as far as that goes. I was a full year. Applied for? For, for the pension. Okay, but was there any part of you that said, this is ridiculous? I Like, I don't stop being in pain the moment well, yeah. I turn 65 in one day. Oh, yeah, that, that became part of the process, Chris, in the fact of that, you know, as you age, your body ages, and sometimes, you know, you're, you're, you're medically, you know, needing a little more assistance from the pharmaceuticals. Yes. Type of things, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you don't get younger as you get older. No, and you don't, and uh, as much as I hate to say this, you don't get healthier. Well, I mean, some people say, if, you know, if I would go for the marijuana, I might, you know, what I mean, like, you know, forget it. Yeah. Huge allergy to marijuana, so... Uh, you so, know, but I, I mean, I had to turn around and I mean, you know, I had paperwork. I mean, I've got lots of paperwork sitting over there that is all stuff from age to pension, all connections with people, all talking with different people, uh, different conferences I have been to, uh, I was just at the one in Edmonton in the last November, uh, you know, all these type of things. Do you, do you think that, uh, how do I word this? Your transition, after doing it, from age to pension, have you heard stories the same route like yourself? Yes, and I've or heard... worse stories? Yeah, I know. I heard from one guy um, that he ended up having to have $1,500 worth of medication because he was a heart patient. And age covered it. Pension did not. Uh, I had one guy who uh, went for, um, the, uh, uh, what do they call it, dialysis. Yep. That wasn't going to be cut. His transportation wasn't going to be covered once he went to pension. So, and does pension give you less money than age? Sometimes? Okay, it comes out to be roughly equal in the bulk sense. But? But, with age you get prescriptions. You get uh, your glasses, uh, you know, all sorts of different things. Uh, you know, uh, if you need to go into a hotel because, God forbid, we had a bed bug mass in here a few years back. You know, you're, you, they, they pay for the ability for you to go into that. Um, one of the things that's in common with Asian Pension is that we get our uh, ambulance covered to the hospital. No, you don't. Oh, no, we get it covered. But on Ace, you can go to your worker and you can get it reimbursed to get return home. You know how I get home? How? Either Summit, ta- uh, either I pay for the taxi, it is to be at my expense. Jesus. 
well, where the hell would you like me to get another $25, $30 out of money that that I have to already pay $25 on prescriptions per prescription? Yeah. Uh, I have to pay for my own transportation. Um I have um, the fibromyalgia and the, and the arthritis. I cannot take any of the regular drugs that deal with arthritis and would deal with the fibromyalgia pain. So Tylenol arthritis is as fast as I can be. You know, that's all I can do. Well, when I was on age, doctor's letter, it was covered. Blue Cross said, eh, eh. A couple of my drugs got pulled. Because it's not like you need drugs, like the drugs that well, doctors Well, and then there's a prescri- program, and don't ask me what the name is, because there's still some, some little corners I'm still trying to figure out, where you get reimbursed a certain amount, after a certain amount of, you know, that you, um, I don't take enough drugs. So I don't get reimbursed. So I'm... Has, a, our, our, has, our, has our pension program let seniors down? Big time. Because every time... Ottawa gives me a little bit of a raise. Then the Alberta Seniors uh, pension that I get once a month, which is supposed to help low-income low seniors, they take it off. So, you know, I'm, I, I'm being, and I mean, I've said it, I'm caught in the rat race and the trap that the federal and provincial government put me in. Okay, but let's, let, I want to make sure that we get this on the record here. This is not something that started just years ago or three years ago. Oh, this has been ongoing. Exactly. Why do you think that it's so hard? Because every time an election comes around, you hear from politicians, seniors are the backbones. They're the ones who built this country. They're the ones who built this province. We should be looking after them left, right, and center. They should be able to age as gracefully in their home. What the fudge is going on here that when it comes to time to retirement, we're like, well, he had it. You can you can survive on your own money that you raised. I mean, come on, Chris, with your husband, you know doggone well what the answer to that is. Political yap tap. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. A lot of you know a lot of like Kenny and his his saying that he was going to you know get so many jobs. Where's the jobs he's created? Yeah. You know Kenny has so cut so many things with seniors so far. But at the same time, and yet it's comparing apples to oranges. We had four years of the NDP government. Did they fix anything? Uh, I have to say that there was um, a positive there because they did have a committee that was working on the age pension. Okay. And that was working with me. So they actually had a committee. They actually had a committee, and I can show you the paperwork, too. Okay. And that was uh, Minister... Laurie Stevenson. Yeah. So... Politics runs very slow. I mean, I'm not saying that the NDP, you know, they couldn't have moved their ass a little bit faster, okay? Pardon the vernacular, but... <laughs> no, but that, that's... A, that's and I hear that all the time. When I talk to advocacy groups, the thing that they always say is, politics moves so slowly. It is a snail's pace. You want something changed, you need to start 20 years from now to get it changed for 50 years from now. Well, if, if things don't start changing pretty quick, I'm going to be in the, in the grave before things even think of it being changed. And that's sad. It is sad, because right now, like I said... There is no change wanted in the seniors. I mean, when you get the minister uh, telling the minister of seniors in housing telling you that seniors have to learn to live within their means, and uh, what do you mean by that? And unfortunately, when I you know went to talk to her about the age pension, I got blocked on Twitter, and her office won't you know answer my phone calls. So 
what what does that give me? Our advocate, seniors advocate, is gone. But at the same time, it's not just a provincial issue. We have to remember. Oh no 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 no! I, I mean, everything is is cross Canada. Yeah. So, but have you tried to attack, talk to the federal government about this? I have talked to the federal government in that I have put my piecemeal in to federal people that I run into. I have not gone full scale into that. Okay. I did talk when I went to the conference in Edmonton. I did talk to some people there about some things. But I haven't gone full scale. And it's not because I don't want to. I mean, I've turned around and talked to somebody in Ontario as to where their seniors like. I mean, their seniors are charged $2 per prescription. And often the the, comp- the um, drugstore will say, oh, forget it. Don't worry about it. It's just more hassle for them to actually put it in. Right. But, I mean, they value the seniors. Seniors aren't valued anymore because we're on death's door. Do you actually how, think that's the reason? Well, I mean, how many years have we got before we're no longer in existence? They don't need to worry about us. And this is the part that doesn't shock me, but always I get a giggle out of it every time. You just said that they don't really care about seniors, but who votes the most? Yep. Seniors. So. But not the most in us. That's true. That's true. You know, that's the unfortunate thing is, you know, I mean, we have some, you know, like um, there is a seniors organization. And I cannot think of the name right now that uh, before Kenny got elected, he kicked out of uh, a meeting. You know, he said that they were taunting him. They had security to knock them out. And these are grannies, the great grannies type of thing. You know, I mean, seniors are a threat. Mm-hmm. Don't ever fool yourself. I'm a threat. I mean. <laughs> oh, trust me, I've seen some of your tweets. <laughs> I say it as it is. Well, and that's the thing. I think most, I think most people do in today's age say it like it is because we have a society where we don't need to hold our mouth anymore. I, from what I believe, because I I think we've elected a president or the South has elected a president that says it like it is, right? So they're willing to, we're more willing to say what's on our mind and not care about the. Well, when you get to a certain age as a senior, it's. Why not? Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm either going to be a cranky senior or a good senior, or I'm going to be a mouthy senior. And I've chosen to be one of all three of them some, some days. Just depending on which mood strikes you that day. Well, it all depends on who I'm dealing with, too. That's true. You know, I mean, because I've run into some politicians that are like, not a whole lot, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to be talking to the wall, so let's not just make me suffer for this guy, you know. So, away with it. so uh, we've talked about provincial, we've talked about federal, but one area that we haven't talked about is our good old municipal government. Do you think our municipal government looks at our seniors and takes care of them? Take, takes care of them? Uh, that's another avenue that I have gone down. I have presented, was going to present at City Hall. I was going to say, do our seniors allowed to go and take the bus for free? Now, right now, we're looking at having to pay. And right now, I'm looking at, uh, you know, I mean, my transportation is paid by CAT. You know, I pay CAT. I'm looking at going through the Access Calgary route. And that is getting to be a headache and a half, you know, trying to make sure that I can prove that I need the taxi, not the bus. Yeah. Because I can't get on the bus. 
you know. I mean, it's not that I haven't got people backing me and willing to write letters. But meanwhile, I'm having to do all the forms and everything and... You know, like, I mean, uh, you know, they told me uh, in, in 2013 that I wasn't handicapped enough. <laughs> I didn't have a walker at the time, but I, I mean... I, I, I'm sorry. I, like, I hate to interrupt you there, but... Who gets to decide who's handicapped enough? Uh, committee at city, uh, in the city. And I call... In Access Calgary. Like, you talk about... We talk about red tape all the time, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about we need to cut red tape. We need to do this or that. I'm sorry, if you're on Aish, <laughs> you've gone through enough hoops to properly be identified as handicapped. Yes. It's literally in the name, okay? But the thing is, Chris, that a lot of the people on Aish, uh, if they have wheelchairs, they have to have the handy bus. That's the only way they can get around. So then you have the hassle of having to phone a day in advance. You have to make sure that you say, okay, this is the time I need to be picked up. And you damn well better be there or you're SOL. But at the same time, like for three levels of government not to talk to each other. Exactly. What is wrong with our society? I feel, and then yet again, I'm just looking at it, like what I know of provincial, federal, and municipal politics being a relatively newcomer to Alberta, seven years. When the hell did we stop talking to each other? When everybody had to have the power and control. And that's the issue. Like, why the heck are we not talking to each other? And why do we think that fighting with each other is going to solve more things for people like you? Well, it isn't. It isn't. I mean, they, they don't want to even deal with me. No, they, that, they would just... Is- Exactly. Yeah. They, they don't want to deal with me because that means that there has to be changes. Like one of the times they asked me, what do, when I want to change with the age to pension, what do I see? And I said, okay, when you're on uh, age, you can get the uh, CPP disability. Okay, what happens is that one overlaps the other. The age covers what, uh, you know, they have a certain level that you're supposed to get and age covers the, the, the gap. Yeah, yeah. Why can't we do that with the pension? You know, I mean, and and pension checks directly come to the, you know, but they don't want to get involved because it's provincial versus federal versus municipal. Like, I was involved with uh, the city in the uh, One Window Project. And that's a project where, I mean, it it came to the fruition in the fact that it's all been planned already. We just need it now to go to the provincial and the province to say, okay, we'll fund it. And that's a project where instead of people having to go float from place to place to place to place to place to apply to do all the paperwork and that, they have one place they go. And it goes from there. Like the 311, the 211. Yeah. Yet again, cutting red tape, but... Yeah. That would be too hard for three levels of government to agree on. Yeah, that. and that is one of the things that I was involved with City Hall, and uh, you know, Mayor Nancy did not need for me to do uh, you know verbal presentation, and there were a lot of people that were ticked because I didn't get the chance. So um, his, next thing I know, his office is phoning me saying, "Sorry," and I said, "Well, would you like my speech?" Yeah. Next thing I know, it says, "With Calgary Housing, has got it." <laughs> Jeez. I, when I shake and rattle and roll, I shake and rattle and roll. Do you think you are, are known throughout Calgary and Alberta as the rebel rouser? Well, there was one fellow uh, uh, that used to work with um, the vibrant communities. And he said, I would hate to have you as my enemy. 
And I said, what are you talking about? Like, it threw me, totally threw me. And he said, I just would hate to have you as my enemy. And he says, I don't mean this in a, in a, you know, in a bad way. He said, you're very strong. And Chris, I'm still learning at the impact I have. So I, I asked this question then, and I ask it because you, you mentioned it a bit, but I'm gonna, we're going to go down this rabbit hole. In the perfect world, how would our problems, how would this problem be fixed? Uh, three level of government communication to start with. Okay. You know, and honest communication, which <laughs> includes, <laughs> you're not supposed to do that, but uh-huh. I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. But that also includes people that are on the system being on part of the solution. Okay. Okay. Um, and having the guarantee, if it needs to be in writing, that speaking up does not mean cut off. If that's what it needs to take, that's what it's going to take. Uh, then they're working together. You know, if it means, uh, you know, doing the age to pension um, amalgamation with the federal. Yeah. You know, like, uh, that's what it takes. You know, I mean, whatever, I mean, I'm not a proponent of a fixed avenue because it's not going to work for everybody, okay? And we're going to have to find something that works. I like the age to pension, the amalgamation of the two. I uh, sort of have, you know, your, your age pension type of thing. Because then you don't need to make a lot of switch paperwork-wise or anything. I mean, Chris, I'm not a stupid lady. You, you, you've come to realize that. Yep. Right? And I, sitting here, and I got, uh, you know, I went online and I printed off all my all the papers and everything. And promptly threw them in the corner after looking at them. I didn't want to handle them. They were so overwhelming doing the pension papers. And you only can fill them out if you're a lawyer. Well, even then, that was, you know, that might have been, I mean, I end up with the uh, way out program through the Jewish people, um, Jewish community, uh, getting a worker that has to, that helps with seniors. And she came down and she helped me through the, the whole works. Good. You know, but then at the same time, the whole uh, thing, and this is backtracking a bit, I ended up with just about not getting my pension because of the name difference. And thank God one of my divorce papers had an AKA. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate go here. For it. Those horns are slipping out, Chris. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Um, What's the big deal? You know what? You're going on to H. You're you're get you're going from H to pension. You're still getting, as you said, roughly the same amount. Well, why why aren't you happy? Why can't you just suck it up like everyone else who has before you and just say, you know what? It is what it is. And I know you don't like hearing that because that's the way it's been. Why can't you just be happy with that? Why? Why do you have? To, why do you have to fight? Why not? I don't know. I'm just saying. Why is it your responsibility to stand up and make this an issue? Because I believe it's been my God-given gift to do that. Really? I, I believe it's my passion, my mission. Yeah, I really do. Because I mean, things falling into my lap don't just fall. You know, I mean, the, you know. There's no tree above you that the, just randomly right. I mean, drops a leaf. From, there from. has to be somebody who's manipulating things. I'm a very strong religious woman in that fact. 
Uh, you know, I'm not going to the Catholic Church, you know, as I, as I was brought up and type of things. But I mean, I'm a very strong believer that the good Lord does provide me. And there's been times when it's been, oh, tough, you know, and he's seen me through it. And it's, it's, that's my mission. I'm good at it. I love community development. I love community work. Uh, I did a powerful lot of it with Huntington Hills, you know. And um, why, why not? You make more enemies that way, don't you? That's the funny thing is I haven't made a lot of enemies. Really? You know, I like Jason Kenny. I mean, you've you've seen my Twitter, okay? Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a lady when I speak on on Twitter. I mean, a couple of times, you know, I've used the little quotation marks in between. <laughs> you know, I could probably say it, but I won't. Yeah. You know, I mean, I will be a lady, and I've also always believed that what I print down is going to outlast me. Yeah. You know, more than anything else. And uh, do you think? Do you, and I apologize for interrupting here. And I'm going to ask this question because I've asked it to young people, and I get a different reaction every time when I ask this question to different people. But as a senior. Do you think social media, a.k.a. Twitter, Facebook, has destroyed our society? Yeah. How so? Isolation. That's the word I wanted to thank yeah, you for it, saying. It has increased the isolation. I will say that. I mean, I, I admit, I admit, I get, you know, like in the morning, have my cereal, have my coffee, open my Twitter and my Facebook, and the next thing I know, it's a couple hours later. It's not hard to be that way. It's not hard to be isolated. And to isolate yourself because of that. Because that's a communication. You know, if you're not communicating with anybody else, you're communicating with that, you're communicating. And that's wrong. And the way we communicate with people on social media, I find, is just so... And I don't want to say toxic, because it's not all toxic. But it's phony as hell. What? Phony as hell. Oh, you have no idea how phony it is. I mean, but how do you deal with the fact, I mean, I credit John with the, with the example. He will not talk on the phone. That, he's a millennial. Don't talk on the phone. We text. We, you know. Oh, sounds like my husband. Uh, Dylan, we will talk. He will talk on the phone, but it's the same thing. Same messenger, okay? I mean, Dylan is at the University of Edmonton, so he, you know, his his communication depends on which midterms he's, you know, in yeah. between type of thing. Uh, but John will not. He he will not talk. I mean, that's just who he is. Now I can turn around and be a real pain in the ass about it, or I could say, okay, let's work out what what works between the two of us. And that war has worked out, and it's 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 been a process of working it out. And, but at the same time, there are so many people that are just inside the Facebook, inside the Twitter. They think it, they think that's their life. Well, it is their life, and that's sad. Yeah, and I mean, and unfortunately, it just gets worse because of the bloody ads you get. You know, the watch list on Facebook. I mean, I get so mad because there's two or three that I follow that I think, you know, they're, they're fo I follow because, um, number one, it's a young Mormon family. I, fo I follow to see what they're doing and how they're raising their children. And Mormon has nothing to do with it other than it's just another hinge like my being Catholic. It has nothing to do with, you know, discrimination. Yeah. Uh, one is uh, a lady in the States who has three uh, golden retrievers. And those are the, those are her girls, and they are and she puts them on you know she has them on the media, so that people can be happy and laugh 
and see them, you know, do their tricks, uh, see them fight with each other type of thing, you know, try to swim. Uh, they, one of the games that they love to play is Find Mama. And you ever seen three golden retrievers going all over this big house trying to find Mama? You know, I mean, that's the happy part mm-hmm. of the social media. And that's the thing. I think that part is about t- 10 to about 20%. Right. And those are the things I want. Yeah. But I get these coffee, these, the spy ones. I get the uh, popping pimple ones. Yeah. You know, just, just when you, you know, you take one and you say, I wonder how they do that. No. No. I mean, you know, it intrigues me, you know, how, how they do that. I mean, I will not uh, go overboard on the type of thing. Um, you know, I've had my tenure with it and that was all it was to it you know I don't watch pimple pimple popper anymore you know it's just but I mean you get you 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 so much as in YouTube you happen to glance and you get a whole string of them yeah on YouTube I follow people that do uh, you know dumpster diving I follow people that that go to the Goodwill uh, sites at Goodwill um, um, stores the dumps where they have the, these big 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 oh, yeah. uh, bins you know the bins and they and they, you know they get yeah. stuff from there and what they do with them and that keeps my creative juices going because that's what I like doing I like to make I make the moose oh wow or the deer wow she just pointed to a 3D sculpture yeah. of a moose on a basically a mounted moose, a mounted deer head. Yeah, I mean, I want to. Uh, what, what is it made out of? Cardboard and paper towel and white glue and white paint. There you go. So you, you mentioned a word, and this is where this is where I want to find, sort of end. Listens, the, folks. I know I do. <laughs> Isolation. Yeah. You said to a reporter, and it was quoted in, I forget which article it was, isolation has been one of the hardest things for you being on Aish. Can you explain that to me? Because you don't seem to be someone who has a hard time <laughs> connecting with people. So when you said that, and I've been, I've been trying to find a way to bring it into the conversation, but you seem so bubbly. How can someone like yourself be isolated? Uh, days when I get, uh, what do you call it, uh, caught in the, you know, the social. I also um, go on WhatsApp one evening with a lady in England. We've never met. We met on a site and we've talked for the last 10 years. Type of thing. That's what makes, the starts the isolation, okay? But another thing that starts the isolation is the estrangement from my family. I'm not part of them. I'm not part of the my grandchildren. I'm not part of what used to be uh, a family. I don't get calls at Christmas. I don't get calls at birthdays. I don't get. I get nothing. Are most people like that? A lot of people are like that. And I can't give you quotes and, and you know facts on that, Chris. But the if people you start you've, looking you've around, you've talked to people who are the, in the same. That is not. I mean, I know of another case with you know my friend I had for fifty years. Same thing. She's going through the same thing with her daughter. Her daughter is just decided, you know, and it's just like I don't understand it. You know, it's not just this wanting independence. It's there's something else involved, and it's also the fact that the millennials are busy. They're busy with their noses and their freaking phones. Uh, yeah, but they also have jobs. True. Right? True, I guess. I, I, I agree, but at the same time, uh, 
your generation had jobs too. They still seem time to make time for family. But that was more um, I think, needed. I think technology has honestly ruined our lives. Um, because it we, has. we are not the society that I grew up in, for God's sakes. No, um, and if you hear paper, uh, um, paper rustling, folks, it's, I'm looking for this poem. Okay. You want to read it? Sure. And I didn't write, go to write it. I did a piece on isolation for Avenue Magazine. This is what came out of their request. I find I'm, I'm what they classify as an urban poet. And uh, so this one is called Aging in Isolation. It's got a lot of attention from a lot of people. Every day starts the same as before. I get up, not because I want to, but it is because I have to. Even being old, my body will not, cannot rest. I hear the sounds of life, gleeful they be, just just outside the massive door to my home. Everyone else but me, I get the message, has got somewhere else to be, to go. Oh, never mind, not one person cares enough to come and ask. And this old body and mine cannot, will not venture out there anymore. Family has decided that I am not useful. They have their lives. I am not welcome any longer to be there. And to help me is not their job. My empty nest is bare, cold, and foreboding. Loneliness and isolation for some are the realities of aging. Leaves so much time for thinking, mourning, and this old soul spends too little time doing. Wow. There's one part of that that I picked up on. I hope there's more than that. Oh, I know, but there's one There's one area that... Which one? I don't want to go out there anymore. Uh, right, right before I think you're talking about family. I hear the sounds of life, gleeful they may be, just outside the massive door to my home. Everyone else but me, I get the mes- I got the message, has got somewhere else to be, to go, to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so, do you find that seniors, including yourself, are excluded? I'll speak for myself in the fact that uh, it means having to come pick me up and drive me home. It means having to, uh, you know, be aware that I have the walker. It's, uh, and it could be as as much as being aware that I'm getting older, that I'm not gonna be around forever. Does that weigh on you? Well, I mean, it weighs on me in the fact of the, where's this all going to go? Uh, who's going to bury me? Like, let's get real. Does that bother you? Yeah, it bothers me. Really? It bothers me a lot, simply because, um, you know, nobody seems to be coming forward and wanting to say, uh, okay, you know, I mean, I have asked, and I mean, you know, uh, okay, what what can I do? And, you know, and I mean, certain things like my awards are going to be, uh, I have offered and, and, and going to be negotiating with Horizon Housing that they are going to be housed there on, up on my passing. Because I don't want them melted down or sold. I did something. I accomplished something here. Yeah. And I want that to be a, a, an example to others. Has, has someone who's half your age or just under half your age, does death scare you? Mm, yeah. Does it? A dying alone. 
Really? Yeah. Do you think you're alone? I'm not alone outside these walls, okay? I'm not alone outside the social media with my friends and everything, but I am alone at night when I go to bed. I am alone. How do you how, how do you want to change that? I, I and I apologize for getting into no, this no, piece. No, 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 this no. is this has been a fascinating conversation, and the fact that we're getting into this deep stuff, like I I a I'm happy that you're willing to chat about this. Oh, and B. You are giving me a new perspective on yourself, but also on a society that is becoming forgotten. Becoming forgotten? Or is forgotten. Yeah. But I, I, I do, well, I will stand by the becoming forgotten because as people age, they are becoming older and yeah. they are going to become forgotten, right? So who are forgotten and who are becoming forgotten. So when you say you're alone here, some people would look at that as a blessing. Okay, now one of the things, okay, I live in a building that has got a roughly 100 apartments in it. Yeah. Most of the people in this building are brought in off the street. Like, you know, the, the agency will rent an apartment and move one of their people into the apartment. Okay? And I have to say, some agencies are very good at, you know, taking their clients and transitioning them. Because what people bring off the street is not always the best thing, you know, to bring into society type of thing. I mean, there are societal rules. And I mean, I've had uh, an awful lot of running with people. But I've also had a lot of people who try to play me and use me. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm well known in this building. Don't, don't get yourself wrong. But at the same time, uh, I don't play the games that they play. And that's what ticks them off. I've had people go up to other people that I know and say, well, I haven't seen Anne in a while. You know, do you know what she's doing? Or somebody walked up to me the other day and said, oh, are you, have you been in crisis lately? But that must make you feel good, though. That no. You, really? It's none of their damn business. But at the same time, for someone who feels alone, for someone to come up to you after not seeing her for a while... Like, that must make you feel a little bit better that people are actually worried about you. No. Because you talk about not having a family. You talk about not having, quote-unquote, a support group as a family, normal family, regular family, or however you want to put it, family would have. This has become your family, hasn't it? It has become my family, but it's a family that's always in transition, too. And the people that I, you know, that I know have asked these questions, uh, I have worked with these people before, you know, and it's been a game player. These people have gone to use me. You know, the lying, the cheating, the, you know, abusing me. I, I mean, I'm not one to turn around and not, you know, if somebody needs something and I have it and, you know, it's not going to kill me, you got it type of thing. I've gone through my closets. I've gone through my cupboards. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm generous to a fault, almost. And then I get turned around and, like, when the marijuana became an issue here, it was like going back to junior high. Absolutely going back to junior high. Nobody would believe that I am actually allergic to the marijuana. Wow. I go into full spasm, you know, asthma cough, and I feel like I'm choking right around my throat. And, you know, they were supposed to go out back. I mean, you know, I mean, this is a whole new area that Horizon Housing had to deal with. Everybody had to deal with. They had it designated to go out back. Well, this one lady here next door couldn't. So she was smoking on her balcony. Can you imagine what was happening if I had my windows open? 
coming in and having a shock. While I was choking. And for a month, I had the homeless feeling coming in. But I didn't stop. Horizon Housing knew exactly where I was at. They know me enough to know that, you know, Anne calls a spade a spade. And uh, they tried their damnedest, I mean, you know, to see if they could negotiate something. But what ended up happening is her and I negotiated. You know, and, you know, like she's, you know, smoked again. I just tell her, you know, like, I'm sorry. I have no problem. You know, like everybody uses whatever they need to live their life. Yeah. But, and I have a letter from the doctor. Now this is official, you know. He said, yeah. And I mean, you go onto Google and you Google it. Yeah, it can be, you know, there are certain chemicals in there. And, you know, I mean, I can't send cigarette smoke either. You know, so you just smoke years ago. You know, so I mean, and that's just the way it is. But I was hated because of the marijuana question. I was being a stuck-up. Well, it's that you're from a different society or a different generation, so you don't know what we're going through. And you don't know honestly, it's okay. It's not going to harm you. Well, I mean, the people that have tried to talk me into it, like you know, even going into the edibles type of thing, is incredible. And I'm like, no. Like, yeah. do what you want. But, you know, but I mean, like, I've had people turn around and say, I use marijuana, but do you ever smell it? I say, no, because they use the whatever it is where they smoke, put the smoke into so that it does not affect other people. There's respect there. Well, that's well, good. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm not isolated in there. Our people are aware. Like, the manager knows. If he doesn't see me, and I mean, there's cameras all over the building, Chris. You know, peekaboo, when you came in, can a camera, you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I shouldn't have picked my nose at that time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not that I did. <laughs> just, just letting you know, I did not. <laughs> no comment. I have a smart remark. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> so, looking back on your life, your... 67? 68. 68. 69 on Thursday. On Thursday. This Thursday. Mm-hmm. So the 27th. Yep. So looking back on your life, do you, do you regret anything? If I regret anything, then I regret, regret people. And how do I regret my children? true. I wish I had more strength that I could, you know, things could have been different, but I didn't have it there and I didn't have the resources. I, you know, I, it just wasn't there. And, uh, you know, when I became mouthy and... <laughs> became? <laughs> no, I, no I, have, I have had mouthy before, but not to the point as, as publicly vocal as I am now. Yep. I mean, I'm constantly speaking. I mean, you know, for the university. I'm at another one that's going Canada-wide. Aging in place. We're just waiting to see the funding's going to bring us. Which is, what's aging in place again? Aging in place. That's where people, you know, getting seniors to age right where they are. Yeah. Finding a home for them. It's not just, you know, I mean, Beyond Housing was the homeless video. And, Which we uh, didn't even talk about. I was part of the film, and but I was also part of the presentation that was just done at the university, at the library. At the library, yeah. Because that, that, and Hillary was in that too, right? Yep. That's uh, where Hillary and I met. So how did that come about? Uh, 
there was uh, Dr. Victoria Burns from the uh, um, assistant professor at the university. She tweeted on Twitter she needed somebody to be involved with homelessness. And at that time, whatever had to do with homelessness, I was grabbing at, you know. And so I went to some of the things, and she says, I'm so glad you answered that Twitter. I'm so glad you did. Because I have, uh, Hillary and I are the lived experience of the group. And, uh, you know, I mean, there have been other people that have the lived experience too, but we've been the principal speakers, a lot of the things. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the film where Hillary and I are doing the high five. No. That is the day we met. Really? Yeah. Aww. You know, and we just hit it off. We just hit it right off. And, uh, you know, I mean, we have differences. Yeah. Okay. So? Who doesn't? Yeah. It's the differences that I'm learning. I mean, I still sometimes don't like them. You know, I mean, when sometimes you get like a girlfriend of mine who goes to Arizona every year. She just phoned me this morning and her and I was political. Like she, she messaged me. She says, where the hell is Rachel Notley? And I said, what the heck? <laughs> where have you been for the last year? <laughs> well, she follows her. But uh, she doesn't, she doesn't know the legislative works and that, you know, she, she's around. You know, but she's but, not premier anymore. No, but no, no, no. It wasn't to do with premier. It's that the legislature wasn't in session. Oh, okay. So it's different. Uh, when I was in Edmonton, I met Janice. Janice. Janice Irwin. Okay. You know, and uh, you know we've she you know she she champions me on you know what's going on, bringing awareness of the age pension with her. Uh, I met Chaz uh, first on Facebook, and then I met him at the the night of the uh, viewing. You know. Is there an interconnected community within of advocacy workers or advocacy support groups? Like, because I feel like there would, because every day I find out there's someone else who's advocating for a certain issue or, and I, I, I feel like there'd be an, a support group for the advocacy support. <laughs> <laughs> like AA, but advocacy. You know? Well, I mean, some of the homeless people, like for the one window. Yeah. They ended up speaking out what they needed. You know, when they, they go, I mean, I wrote a poem, too, that was uh, published in, the, you know, in the final papers. Um, but, I mean, the, these people, you know, presented, look, this is what I need. I don't need to be walking all over damn town. You know, I mean, as a single mom, I ended up having that where I had to drag my kids to the Calgary housing to apply. And, you know, God help if the kids were acting up and stuff. And, I mean, the, the staff wasn't always, you know, the most welcome. You know, I mean, all things have changed, but, you know, these all um, reiterate the fact that we need a one window, yeah. one place. And, you know, we discussed, you know, computers, the whole nine yards, you know, of it. But, I mean, uh, there are so many, I mean, Hillary is involved with several organizations. I'm connected, Hillary's involved with the aging in place, too, and, you know, the Beyond Housing. Uh, you know, and I mean, the Distress Center, we, we have one of the, used to be a researcher through the university that uh, we spoke at the uh, Distress Center. You know, uh, you know, we've spoken a couple of times, Hillary and I, to let people know, I mean, and the age to pension, like people didn't know. I didn't you know. know. My rent on age for this very apartment was $281. One month later, it went to $531. Simply because I was no longer an age recipient, I was status as changed pensioner. Jeez. So what, what's, what's the reality of this? Panic. You know, I mean, and how many people will actually listen to a senior or go by now, 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 pat you on the head? Well, and that's... Okay, you just opened up a can of worms. Okay. 
I don't even think that it's seniors that they do that to. Well, they do it to a lot of people. They do it to everyone who's not them. Right? And I'm sure that you and your husband have, you know, had a, a you know, if people can reach that high. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, uh, exactly, right? And I'm, and, and I'm not trying to speak out of turn here, but I'm assuming you've said it to a few people, too, in your life. Because you always think, and I'm not trying to say everyone thinks they're always right, right? I'm saying that everyone has their opinion. Everyone believes that what they're doing is the for the best and for the be- good, better, it will better the world in some way. Oh, but... When they hear an opposing view or an alternate version of the way that they're trying to achieve something, they will go, it's okay, go away, I've got this. Yeah. Everyone does it. Well, I mean, and I'm sure, you know, I mean, like, uh, running into people who have different political views. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not a liberal. Yeah. I'm an ndp at heart. Okay. Because of the fact of what, you know, the, the social aspect of what they want and then helping people. Uh, but, I mean, if, if I, you know, voting for Sheer, not a hope and a prayer. I would have rather seen Trudeau come back in. Because... I will be honest. I, I ran in 2015. And this election, this last election, 2019, I did not vote for any of them. I went in, I voted, and I spoiled my ballot. Mm-hmm. Because I could not vote for Justin Trudeau after his scandal that broke. I could not vote for Andrew Scheer. And Jagmeet Singh did not speak to me. He uh, he was a Johnny Come Lately. Yeah. He just wasn't there when he was needed to be, and he's still trying. He's trying to be. He's trying to interject himself into the national conversation, and no one's listening because what he's saying has nothing to do with what the conversation is happening today. Mm-hmm. He's trying to make the conversation about what he wants, which is completely understandable. That's what political parties do. It's not what the national conversation is at the time. Well, and I mean, and the thing is, I don't know if you've discovered it, but federal and, and provincial politics. Oh, jeez, don't even get They me. don't even mix simply because they talk a different language and they, they both have their noses stuck in the air if it ever rains and we're in trouble. Exactly. But at the same time, one is, you know, higher than the other type of thing, you know. Well, look at... I mean, that's... My belief, Chris, sorry for interrupting no. you there. My belief is that's where Kenny's headed. Back to Ottawa. I don't know what happened in the next election because I don't know who the uh, conservatives are going to nominate. If it's Aaron O'Toole, it's Aaron O'Toole. If it's Peter McKay, it's Peter McKay. Ah. Let's leave that at that. (laughs) We could go for another hour, folks. Oh, geez. Um, (laughs) Justin Trudeau has the... He is the Trump of Canada. You throw something at him, it does not stick. Yeah, but his father is the same thing. Oh, exactly, right? He was able to get away with blackface. Blackface. People still voted for him. Yeah, but Harry got away with blackface. Who? Harry Windsor. Name doesn't... Prince Harry. Oh, Prince Harry. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I was like, is there a politician that I... Al Jolson got away with it. Exactly. Now, it all depends. Are we going to let that ruin us? Or are we going to turn around and say, okay, you were an ass. You pulled some asinine, you know, I mean, every one of us pulled some asinine tricks. No, it, you don't get me wrong. I've been, I've been thrown to the gutter a few times for things that I've said on Twitter. Don't get me wrong. I apologize immensely for that. Mm-hmm. But we, I did not get rewarded for doing it. And no, but you got rewarded in the fact that they probably said, okay, and let you go on. Because they couldn't find another candidate up in northern Alberta to run for the party. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's be honest. Okay. Okay. But I mean, that's... Uh, I will call a spade a spade on that one, okay? I was running as a liberal in northern Alberta. Oops. There was two of us, okay? And there was three ridings that they had to fill. <laughs> I mean, politics is a, is a dirty game. Oh God, yes. And it's a mystifying game. I, you know, there are days when it just is is it's over my head, and I have to turn around and say, okay, back up. And then you know, like, okay, we've got the throne speech. It's supposed to start at three o'clock. Okay. Yep. We're hitting four o'clock. No, I'm not. I'm, don't worry. I don't. I don't want to listen to the throne speech. I want to see the the the, the fallout from it. Because and respond to that and, and digest that. Yeah. Because then that's the honest person's reaction. And like, you know, with like with Brett Wilson, I can see exactly like when he talks about the rain and the sprinkler and all of this type of thing. Eh, turn the hoses on him. And he didn't like that. Because I called him and on exactly what he was thinking. And he was so frustrated he couldn't even spell rain right. <laughs> well, and that's <laughs> We are becoming a more divided society every day. Because people don't want to accept that we're okay with a difference of opinion. Well, difference of opinion is one way to put it, but complete lack of understanding of the other side is the correct way. I mean, Chris, I, you know, John and Dylan, they're, you know, Dylan's 25, John's 33. Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, same as you, I don't have a problem getting along, but yeah. there's differing opinions. Oh, God, yes. You know, there are times when John will give me a phrase and when he's texting me and I go to the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> Like, okay, what did you... Because I got caught in with, with uh, Dylan. I thought the word meant the opposite, and he had a big raw giggle over that Jesus. one. <laughs> well, in that... In, you know, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's that simple communication. The, the, yes. the communication isn't there. Isolation, communication lacking. Yeah. The two of them aren't meshing. And that's where I want this podcast to help people, because we are so... 180 characters to 240 characters on Twitter. That's our speech now. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump has made speech into 240 characters and kafefe, whatever the heck that meant. And I mean, and I won't follow Trump. Oh, and I don't anything either. that has to do with Trump or any. I mean, his wife, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the, the, she. I think she just follows along because she has no other, you know, objective in life. I mean, and that's that. Is how many women in regular society are in that same position? Yeah. You know. I I'm in males, I'm sure that it goes in no, the exactly, gay right? community like, as well. Well, even in straight community, yeah. right? There's I mean, prob- it, it, it's all over. Oh, Jesus, yes. We are now in a society where, like I said, we don't understand the other side and we don't want to learn. I I will sit down with the most right-wing extremist that I think is right-wing extremist. But you know what? I will probably have the exact same laughing conversation that you and I are having today. Because that's what society needs. It needs us to come together and start talking. And I'm glad that you are actually doing something about it, right? You want to start the conversation about age to pension. You want to start the conversation about how we as a society can treat our seniors better but we need people to listen well I mean the thing is like with my pension when uh, you know when I had to have the letter uh, from my M- uh, my MP being the pensions federal I had to have the letter from my MP telling Aish uh, that you know I had applied well guess who was my MP at the time here Kenny mm-hmm 
And guess what response I got when I phoned his office? We don't it's not our concern. Really? That's exactly. Uh, you know, that's what just after he'd lost the election, it was just that transition period type of thing. Uh, the 2015 election? Yeah, I think it was. You know. Okay, yeah. And so I went to Ken Hare's office, and within half an hour, she had the letter for me, his, his, his person. Wow. You know, I, I just simply needed a letter telling Ace that I wasn't Goldberging. You know, and I mean, Ace was going to get it all back. You know, it's not like they were going to not see it again. I wasn't going to double up on that one. Yeah. But he turned around and walked away with it from me. You know? But at the same time, I will say that our politics is so divided when it comes to any matter. If you are not a card-carrying member of the Liberal Party, I think the Liberals will look down on you. Or if you're not left-leaning, I should say. Uh, that and- all depends And the fact of that uh, I... I wouldn't let them with me. Like, I want to meet Justin Trudeau, okay? Yeah. Don't ever fool yourself. If this is going to be an avenue to me, take a trip to meet him or him down here, go for it. Go for it, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. But as far as I'm concerned, my mother said one thing when I was a kid. And she said, even the queen, her shit stinks. Pardon me, folks, for being very vulgar, but that's exactly God bless the Queen. Yeah, but I mean, that is exactly it. We're all the same. We all born naked. We all die naked. We're all put into the ground or burned or whatever happens. I mean, you know, and to to know what your mission is in life and to do what your mission is and not harm people. Like, I don't want to harm anybody in this. Kenny knows I don't like him. So what? Doesn't mean that we can't still have a conversation. I'll meet the guy. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, but don't get doing um, the political jargon with me. Speak English. Because if you're going to do political jargon and you're going to try and snow me, I will literally walk out. Don't do the spin, right? The political spin. And I find all politicians do that. Not well, I mean, that's, that's Chandro. Him and... <laughs> Oh, Chandra. He took over Brandy's you know, position here in the area. And I've had tried to have meetings with him several times. Matter of fact, we got something sent in our mailboxes here that scared the hell out of me. And that's the only way to describe it. It looked like a handwritten envelope. No stamp on it, nothing. And what it ended up finding out, it was text that was, you know, looked like handwriting. And it was a letter saying, you know, phone our office if you're interested for this and this and this. Uh, phone our office and ask for such and such and talk to this person. Well, I decided, you know, being as bold and ballsy as I am, <laughs> I did. I got his campaign manager. Holy crap, I got another case of Kenny crap. I got treated like I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. And what it ended up being is bulk mail. They were allowed to do it. Yeah. Ad mail. Outreach mail, I should yeah. say. And I mean, unfortunately, it, you know, it scared me. <laughs> because, you know, there are people, and I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm not scared because somebody would come looking for me. I mean, if someone wants to come looking for me, they aren't going to have to work too hard to find me. No, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the fact is there are people in here who don't want to be found. You know, because of the life that, they, you know, they're making the switch. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, we have young people in here that, uh, you know, bring all their friends in here, figuring, oh, we got an apartment now, you can, you know, all my buddies can come live. Uh, no. You know, 
the transition is working through you. I mean, I've had uh, cases where, you know, a young couple has had a screaming match at 1 to 2 o'clock in the morning or gone all day with it. I'm the one that's knocking on the door saying, excuse me. Oh, we're not yelling. I said, don't you tell me you're not yelling. I can hear you. Yeah, well, I'm the one that's awake at night. Yeah. You know, and now that's changed everything. This person is doing working their damnedest to be polite. That's good. You know, but I mean, I call a spade a spade. Now, that has often got me into trouble, Chris. You know, I mean, I've had people turn around and say, I hate her. She, she intimidates me. Okay, maybe I do intimidate people. But why do I intimidate people? It's their benefit, not mine. It's their problem, not mine. Yeah. I mean, yes, I'm bolder, I'm brashier now than I've ever been. Normally, I would have thought of contacting you for a couple of days. No, it was like the, the episode <laughs> dropped on a Saturday. I got an email Saturday night. I was like, what the heck? Or it's Instagram because you're like, I heard the episode and you don't like what well, you don't like Twitter that much. So I followed you. I followed you on Instagram and I followed, sent you a message. It's like, hi, stalker. So how did you originally know about me? Let the, let the, the, you know, let the so Hillary, Hillary told me about you. Hillary told me about a few people that I should contact. And we talked about it. And then I was like, okay, I'll start doing some research. And then God bless Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. Twitter, you can just go online and you can see who everyone follows, right? And you can see what their profile states. And I found you and I looked you, like it said, chief advocate for aging in place or no, uh, chief well, advocate for age to pension, yeah. right? The uh, program that we talked about. So I was like, okay, let's learn a little bit more about this because yet again, Hillary told me about you. So I started doing research and I was like, okay. And then I, like I said, I literally started writing my letter to you saying, hi, Joanna. My name's Christopher Brown. I'm the host of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. I would love to sit down with you. And then literally copied that, about to paste it. I get a message from you on Instagram. I'm like, huh? But at first, because I was doing it through Twitter... I was like, is this the same person? And then because your Instagram name and your Twitter name aren't the same, so I was like second guessing myself there for like a good 20 minutes. You had me in a whole like shitload of like just running around. I was trying to guess, second guess myself. It was not working that well. <laughs> for a Saturday night, I was like looking for a <laughs> relaxing night, and then Joanna just has to come into my life and upheaval everything. <laughs> Exactly. And that's exactly where Joanna is. She does upheaval everything. But it, but for me, it was a good upheaval. Like, I honestly... And well, I, you asked me if I was Joanna. Exactly. You know, I mean, and I've had people turn around and say, are you Joanna? Are you the same one? You know, I mean, just ask me. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, I, <laughs> I won't beat around the bush when I ask a question. I will make sure that I ask the question in the right way, but I'm not going to not ask a question just because it's... Uh, Intrusive. Well, you were wondering if you were being stalked, eh? Yeah. Jeez. Jeez. Don't even start with that. I've been accused. I've been accused. You've been accused of stalking Chris Brown. I know I'm kind of famous on the podcast for all tens of twenties of hundreds of followers I have. I see two friends of mine in Edmonton having a hissy howl over this one. Oh, I can imagine you're going to get a call from Hillary right after this is done. And going, um, were you guys smoking marijuana? Are you sure you're allergic to it? But Joanna She's and... She said, I'll do, uh, I'll be good. <laughs> oh, she did. I want to thank you for this. Not a problem. This has been one of the most 
engaging, hilarious, thought-provoking interviews I've done in a very long time. You... I was going to say you have a bright future ahead of you, but we just talked about death, so I can't really talk about that too much. Well, I'm going to come down as an angel. Exactly. You you have opened my eyes to so much in the last hour and a half, well, almost two hours. I... It didn't... Every time I kept on looking, I was like, oh, only 10 minutes have passed. And then I kept on looking. My, my left eye is going right now. Literally, I'm going in for an operation on Tuesday where they're pulling out the eye to try and fix some of the retina underneath it. And uh, I'm like, okay, this is this is what I'm looking. So every time I'm looking at it, it's, oh, it's only been 10 minutes. Oh, it's only been 10 minutes. Like, that's weird. That's only been 10 minutes. And then I looked and I strained my eyes there. It's like, oh, no, it's been an hour and 50 minutes. <laughs> and I did not realize that an hour and 50 minutes have passed. So... Anne, thank you very much for doing this. You're very welcome. Um, the last question I usually, I don't ask that many people, but I want people to make sure. How can people get a hold of you? I'm on Twitter under Bird Joe, B-I-R-D-J-O. Okay. And Joanna, Johanna. Okay. And, um... And uh, they, if they want to talk to you about H Depension, they can find you on there and send you a message. Right. Send, send you a message at like 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday. And they're not going to get 11 o'clock at night. They're not going to get an answer right away. <laughs> Jesus. Hey, so, so what did Hubby think of this? Hey, this is going to be an interesting one that he listens to. I'll, I'll, I'll be like, you have to listen to it. Listen to the first whole two hours because the last like half hour, it just honestly just somehow ends into a giggle fest. It fell apart. <laughs> but it didn't. We still talked about things. And that's what I love about this podcast is, you know what? I have learned something from every single person I've sat down with. Well, I mean, it's the ones that I have listened to, even Hillary. Yeah. I have learned, you know, from. Well, like I had a gentleman on who is a host of his own podcast. Podcast. He's openly gay, and he talked he, last week, uh, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, his name's Terry Griffiths, and we sit down and we talk, and he opens up about his open relationship that him and his husband have other partners. And I've never heard that before. Like I've heard of that before, but I've never actually been able to chat with someone who's had, who has that relationship. So we have this whole long conversation where I'm just sitting there going. This is unique to me because to me that that's just not something I would do. So I'm sitting here going, holy moly. Because behind the, the the bio on Twitter, behind the photo, there's a person with a story. And your story, and I'm, I and I'm not trying to boast boost you up here because honestly, I think you've done yourself a justice talking for the last hour, two hours about yourself. Your story is so unique, so amazing. Amazing that I think if Justin Trudeau doesn't sit down with you, he's a fool. Because you have so much. You have knowledge, you have the backstory, you have the history to prove that our system is failing seniors. And this is something that I will be bringing up a few more times. I'll hopefully be talking to a few you other take people. That one home with oh, I will. Because. You have done so much in your life, people should hear it and not just get what they think they need to get. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. I mean, the bottom line is that I have done, you know, like I said, I have two young men who, you know, they may be millennial, they may be gay. But at the same time, there's the support and there's the encouragement there. And John even said, he says, I've never done podcasts. He says, you're ahead of me on that one. 
you know, oh, you told them about this too? Oh, heavens yes. Oh, geez, I can just imagine. Well, see, John works for Alberta Health Services up in Edmonton. Okay. He's the social worker that if somebody, a senior's been in hospital, he's the one that they talk to about, you know, where do they transition from there. Okay. And him and I often talk and I will send him things, you know, that, that come out in the media. And, uh, you know, so, you know, there's the, that connection there, you know. Um. But I mean, uh, to me, you know, I mean, there were people that accused me, oh, you know, this young man has come into your life. You better back it off. You know, you're, you're, you're doing un- unspeakable things. I said, what? I said, I love this man because he's a man. He's a person. He's a human being. Same with Dylan. Now, if that's what is that, if that's what's unspeakable, if that's what's wrong, then holy smoke, am I getting a taste of what you guys go through? Yeah. And that's the thing. Um... Uh, yeah, I say this. My husband laughs at me every time I say it, but um, I don't look the gay part, right? I'm not the skinny person. I'm not the person who is moving their hand in the, the flash. Exactly. So I never had to deal with it as much as other people have, but the horror stories that I've heard just would sink a ship. Mm-hmm. So I... It is what it is, and we live in a society that people are able to judge people on looks now, so. But I mean, well, you know, explain why I would come. I know John and Dylan. Yeah. I know, you know, I know of, of your husband, and, yep. and now I've met you. Yep. Uh, Chance and, and you know, Chaz and I have met. Yep. Which, if he's listening, I'd love to have him on the podcast. Well, I would let him know that you would love to have him. I'm going to send him a message once I get back. So if you send one beforehand... I'll let you send it first and tell him to talk to me. Okay. But no, I mean, the bottom line is that, you know, I've learned... I mean, those guys have taught me so, so much. You know? And there is a strong love and relationship between the two of us. There was a connection between John and I from the minute we met. Don't know why, don't know how come. I mean, you know, there's many things like we're uh, both the same as, as Myers-Briggs. Uh, we're both the Chinese horoscope rats. There are so many things that John and I are so similar, and that's why we connect. But his relationship, as far as I'm concerned with Dylan, is the most important. They tried to take a picture one day of me standing between the two of them, and I said, no. I just don't let anything or anyone ever come between the two of you. Because I said, I will do anything and everything I can to not come between the two of you. And I have done exactly that. Because I had that said to me by a minister of my second marriage. Don't let anything come between the two of you. And it did come. Something did come between the two of us. Had somebody cared for me as much as those two care for each other, I would have been one blessed woman. Well... And I'm not looking for it, folks. No, but I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I'm going to say this. While your life has been a struggle, by the sounds of it, by what we've talked about for the last two hours, I think you are blessed. I think there is a higher power that's looking out for you, and you are destined to be where you are today for a reason. So while you may may think that the grass is greener on the other side, you're blessed to be who you are today, Anne. Thank and you. I, uh, I think that no matter what is in store for you for the next few years, you'll be a strong woman and you'll come out the better end of it. Well, I had a vision a few years ago of me standing there in a business suit with a briefcase. You never know. Much skinnier version. <laughs> Don't we all wish that? <laughs> 
that's why I thought, should I pull out the cake? Should I pull out the cake? Oh, I had oh. one piece of the cake, and I'm pretty sure. Come on, Chris. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> put, put the pumpkin spice in front of me. <laughs> the one weakness I have, pumpkin spice. You see? He's not that strong, folks. Yes, he is. I really, I have to say, Chris, I really enjoyed this. I mean, you've made it a comfortable conversation. You've done exactly what you want. You know, and I mean, even some of the questions are, you know, that would normally have been uncomfortable. They haven't been because you've been kind. I thank you. And and that's why at the end of the day, that's what I want. Right. I want the microphones not to even be here. It's just a conversation between two people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we've accomplished today. So thank you very much. Thank you. And once again, thank you to our guests for coming in and sitting down today. It was greatly appreciated. As I've said in the introduction, this podcast is about having a conversation. I learned a lot in this interview, and I really hope you did too. This podcast couldn't have happened without our listeners. From here in Alberta to across Canada and around the world, I want to take this moment and thank everyone for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. The links are in the show notes. Or visit our website at www.crossborderinterviews.ca. We will be back here next Saturday with another great episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. This podcast is produced and owned by Miranda Brown and Associates. I'm your host, Christopher Brown. Once again, have a safe and hopefully talkative week.